Welcome to the Mother Nurture Podcast, hosted by Dr. Andrea Rosario, functional neurologist and doctor of chiropractic, specializing in functional medicine, caring for individuals and families with chronic conditions for over 15 years. Ladies and gentlemen, please keep your arms and legs inside the ride. It's time for another edition of the Mother Nurture Podcast, where humor and health rule and mom's needs come first so the whole team wins. I'm your host, Dr. Andrea Rosario, and well, you know who you are. Hi there, Andrea Rosario here, and I wanted to welcome you to today's episode. We are going to be talking more about the fight or flight loop that many of my patients and myself and many of you have gotten yourself stuck in that can create various symptoms that seem like unrelated and most doctors kind of don't piece them together, as well as finding yourself in like a really chronic, complicated, awful health situation um, that this fight or flight loop can lead to. So there's this wide variety of expression, random symptoms that don't seem to make sense all the way to like, I am on my knees, have mercy on me kind of illness. So I wanted to illuminate some of the ways that you can get into fight or flight because the ways out of the fight or flight loop depend on how you've gotten into it and your own biochemistry. So it's sort of a long conversation that I'll be having over several episodes with you. If you have not gone back and listened to episode one, where I give you sort of the basics of what the fight or flight loop looks like and the vicious cycle that your body's biochemistry and your brain's wiring can get stuck in, I really highly encourage you to go back to that because I'm going to be referring to it and you're going to hear me say, fight or flight loop, fight or flight loop. And you're just going to be like, I don't know what she's even talking about, but it's really important if you want to figure out if this might be a component in your own suffering or those of your family members to actually understand what that loop is and how that vicious cycle can like self-perpetuate so that you can, you know, basically find your way or their way out of it. And like, make a better tomorrow. That's the goal, I think, right? So anyhow, if you have not listened to episode one, I really strongly encourage you to pause here and go listen to that first. But if you have listened to it, congratulations, you're in the right spot. And we're going to be entering into the world of the different causes of getting stuck in fight or flight. And because people get in for different reasons, there's different paths out. So over the next several episodes, I'm guessing, we're going to be talking about some of the pathways in. And if this is your pathway in, then maybe this is the the smartest way to try to find your way out of that pathway so that your symptoms sort of melt away, your chronic illness finally starts to heal, and you can start making headway and have more endurance for exercise, for stresses, for life in general, and like make your make your way to better. So I wanted to remind you of like a 20 second recap of what it looks like to be in fight or flight loop or in fight or flight dominance. Basically, you're going to often have sleep disturbances, whether it's like I just I sleep just fine, but when I wake up, I'm not well rested or it's you wake up several times during the night and then also hunger signaling issues, never hungry, don't get the signals 
ravished all the time, never satiated, doesn't matter. It's all having to do with a fight or flight loop. Uh, systemic inflammation, which often most likely presents as um, body aches and pains, but it can also present as like brain fog or memory issues, things like that. Or you're basically not able to calm your fight or flight response, which can result in high heart rate or variable heart rate where it doesn't even make sense. Like, I don't know why my heart rate flew this way or the same with blood pressure, too high, too low, sexual dysfunction, basically like jumpiness, kind of always on edge. Like you see a bird, this is me. You see a bird fly like 20 feet away and you literally are like, ah, yeah, that's kind of a thing. So there's digestive issues. I mean, gosh, there's so many different ways that it presents. So that's an increased fight or flight, basically response. And then you can also just have perpetual like high cortisol, which is like stomach fat and like inability to control your blood sugar and things like that. So that's my like long story short, and there's so much more to it, but just a little quick reminder in case it's been a week or so since you listened to that. But today specifically, we're going to be working on some of the genetic and nutritional contributors to getting stuck in fight or flight mode. I'm going to touch on little ways in which you can start to get out of that vicious cycle. So first is the genetic. If you have run your, your genetics through like 23andMe or Ancestry or something like that, you can go through a third-party report site that will make the genetic codes more legible, and they will let you know if you have some of these genetic variants. Sometimes you have to have certain levels where it's like, well, let me reach out to the people that are closest to me. I want to find out if I'm Irish or Filipino or from Africa. I mean, any which thing like that. And then there's like a next level of the test that helps you with health information. But quite honestly, what they give you, they're so regulated and watched over by, I guess the FDA, I'm not really sure, but they're really watched over. And so they can really give you very minimal health information on that site all by itself. And I'm mostly speaking of 23andMe right now, because that's the one I have the most experience with but they give you really pretty generic, like you are more susceptible to allergies, you are more susceptible to Alzheimer's, but they don't tell you what to do with it. They don't tell you how susceptible necessarily. So you can actually go to third-party sites like LiveWello or Stratagene or mthfrsupport.net or Calm, shoot, I'm not sure, but try them both, um, that, that you can basically pay for a third-party report that'll make it easier for you to see the individual variants that you have. And I just went on that little spiel there for a second, because what I want to talk to you about is the genetic variant called COMT. COMT is basically this enzyme that exists in your body that you can have a genetic deficit in basically where it just doesn't work quite as well. So what does COMT do? It breaks down dopamine, epinephrine, and norepinephrine. So epinephrine is also known layman's terms as adrenaline. And if your body has genetically 
got an inability or a lessened ability to break those things down, then you sort of end up with a traffic jam, a traffic jam of adrenaline, a traffic jam of dopamine. This doesn't sound pleasant because it's not. And you will end up with things like anxiety, jumpiness, possibly aggressiveness or like agitation, like super quick to jump down someone's throat if they're irritating you. OCD type things, addictions and obsessions. It's kind of like hyperdrive. Like there's no brake pedal, right? You're just sort of like all the time. Is that the dopamine? Is it the adrenaline? I don't know, but that's a pretty bad combination if you ask me, because both of them in excess kind of look like those things. So if you have that genetic variant or also known as mutation, but I don't really like to call it that because many, many people have um, issues with these enzymes genetically. It's not uncommon. So don't think yourself a freak. If you find out that you've got these, uh, these mutations, I prefer to call them variants because they're just like a little less than ideal, but they're pretty darn normal. So you can check on those reports and see, look up COMT. If you see COMT, that means you're likely to run into traffic jams clearing out your dopamine and adrenaline. Why does that even matter to you? Well, number one, it means that you're more likely to get stuck in fight or flight mode. It's like if it took someone 10 years of being in a stressful situation to get stuck in that vicious cycle that I talked to you about in episode one, well, it might take you like two or three or five, depending on how traffic jammed that enzyme is and how overloaded your system is with those chemicals. So that is one thing, like it's good to know just genetically, am I predisposed to this? Because I probably would have a lesser stress tolerance, at least for sure long-term than somebody else might. So good to know. But number two, you can actually nutritionally support that enzyme and mitigate your naturally God-given like genetic variant that you have there. You can kind of mitigate the damage of it. So basically the other thing that you would want to know, and this is kind of a side note, not really necessarily having to do with fight or flight mode as much, but it kind of ties in. So I'm just going to mention it. People with COMT don't necessarily tolerate the methylated forms of B vitamins as well. So and okay, here. Oh, shoot. I'm going to have to go on a little rant. Okay. So two or three minute rant, I think, <laughs> hopefully. So basically supplement companies are corporations and anywhere they can pinch a penny, they're gonna, right? And so if you get a multivitamin, definitely from Costco or a regular store, like good luck, but even at a health food store, a lot of the multivitamins have inferior forms of certain B vitamins. The most common ones are B12. They usually give you the cheap yucky form of cyanocobalamin or like folate. I know we all, especially as women here, folic acid, you need folic acid. You're pregnant down the folic acid. Folic acid is crud for a lot of women, especially people who have certain genetic variances. Okay. So 40 to 60% of women would not, that's not the form of folate you actually want. You would more likely want 
L5-MTHF or folinic acid, but I digress. The point is, is that supplement companies, they really do try to pinch their pennies because they're corporations and pennies to them for each person equals millions of dollars. So they give suboptimal forms. The actual optimal form if you have no genetic problems with it, is like methyl B12 and L5-MTHF, which is L5-methyl tetrahydrofolate. You don't need to know that. L5-MTHF is basically the folate that is a methylated form. Okay, so those are the optimal forms. But here's the deal. People with COMT, not everybody, I've noticed like about maybe 50% of my patient base that has COMT are not able to actually tolerate those methylated forms very well. And so they do better with like hydroxy B12 or adeno B12 and like folinic acid. They're a little, little bit less effective, but the methylated form seems to like create more of a traffic jam for them where they get hyper aggressive or agitated or jumpy or things like that. So, I mean, if you're not going to go spend the money for 23andMe or Ancestry and all that, that's kind of a pretty good test. If you don't tolerate those type of B vitamins, you have a COMT mutation or variant or a nutritional deficit on the things that actually support that enzyme. So that brings me to my next thing, nutritional aspects of getting stuck in fight or flight. And it still actually has to do with the COMT enzyme as well. That COMT enzyme requires you to have adequate amount of magnesium. So most, oh man, I did go on that little soapbox about the B vitamins and I'm about to go on a soapbox about magnesium. I'm a supplement snob. I mean, for real, you guys. So Bear with me when I do these things. Um, okay, so magnesium for the most part, what you will get when you go to the store is magnesium citrate. And okay, I'm gonna give you a little warning. If you've got your kids in the room, this isn't gonna be too bad, but I just wanna give you a heads up that I'm gonna say something that might be a little sensitive. Okay, I call magnesium citrate, magnesium citrate, because that's exactly what it makes you do. It makes you poop and it's really not that good for anything else. Like it doesn't get into your cells. It doesn't help your magnesium levels. Okay. It does, but like by like pennies on the dollar, basically it's not super helpful. So magnesium citrate equates to magnesium citrate. It's good for constipation. It's bad for helping you with anything else that magnesium helps you with. Okay. You want to get the forms like magnesium glycinate, which is really, really well absorbed or magnesium malate, which I particularly like using in people who have like mitochondria. So like maternal lines of um, illness. So like for myself, if you listen to episode one, you know, my mom has been in fight or flight and got really, really sick and still is. Um, and so if you look at like my maternal line, that's where most of my illnesses in, in my family line come from. That's where I would want to go with like magnesium malate if I'm trying to affect a maternal line kind of a uh, lineage, right? So glycinate, malate, they're both great for different reasons, but they both absorb really well. Magnesium citrate, citrate is for constipation. And that's what you get in like natural calm that you can get in the store and pretty much most magnesium supplements that you would get at the regular store. 
Okay, so dang, I went down a rabbit hole again. <laughs> so magnesium helps clear the traffic jam at the COMT enzyme. Okay, so it helps that enzyme function whether you have a genetic predisposition to it not functioning well or not. Sometimes you can have the most beautiful COMT genetics and you're still having a traffic jam there. And why? Because you're magnesium deficient. Magnesium is being used up in every other which way in your body and the resources are sparse. And so basically your COMT enzyme suffers and then you end up with the type of symptoms that I talked about earlier with earlier with the agitation and the OCD and the ADHD and the jumpiness and the so just know that magnesium helps that enzyme whether you have the genetic variant or not it is very helpful for that and then the other thing that does help it is phosphatidylcholine which you can get an abundance in eggs, but not everybody can eat eggs or chooses to eat eggs. So you can get it in supplement form as well. Mostly the sources are soy or sunflower oil, um, the phosphatidyl approach to it. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and so basically I always choose the sunflower source unless I have someone who's allergic to sunflowers. Um, and then I would maybe then choose the soy, but you know, I, I much, much prefer that um, sunflower source for the phosphatidylcholine if you can't get it from eating enough eggs. So what phosphatidylcholine does is it lends or gives to the COMT methyltransferases, which is the MT part of the COMT. Um, and it basically helps it function more. So that is another way that you can support that enzyme that is responsible for keeping you in fight or flight or increasing your predisposition to fight or flight mode. For myself, I don't use phosphatidylcholine and magnesium regularly unless I find myself, you know, ducking from the birds that are 20 feet away because I'm so super duper jumpy or something. Then I kind of use it like that, not as an everyday thing, but like, ooh, that's not looking so good. I just jumped down my kid's throat for no reason, or I'm ducking at a fly that just flew by me because I'm so stinking jumpy or, you know, whatever those, those kind of reactions are that I'm like, ah, oh, probably time for some magnesium or phosphatidylcholine. I have a um, huge, like, I call it my supplement graveyard. I'm sure you guys can only imagine, but I don't use anything every day, more or less. And so this is just one of those ways in which I add in as needed. And I hope to teach you along the way how you do that as well. So that is how you can support your COM, COMT enzyme with nutrition. Um, if you are genetically predisposed to having problems with it, or if you're not, it actually doesn't matter because the same dysfunction can happen one way or another. And the support is the same one way or another. So the other way that you can nutritionally keep yourself out of fight or flight, if this is, ha if this happens to be the way that you slid into fight or flight loop, which is inflammation, like systemic inflammation, you know, just know that your diet has a whole heck of a lot to do with it. You want to make sure that you're not consuming foods that you're sensitive to. 
there is no good diet for everybody. Like some people do better on vegan, vegetarian, some on paleo, some on keto, some, I mean, some on SCD. There's so many different diets and they all believe that they are the only one, the right one. And that is not true because everybody needs to find their own way. And really those are kind of like blueprints, but the truth is that no blueprint actually fits anybody either. And you want to sort of test for yourself once you have calmed the waters of figuring out which foods are problematic for you. So making sure you're not consuming foods that are actively causing inflammation is one way in which you can, well, control your inflammation. And another way is if you've had um, any kind of head hits, traumatic brain injuries, concussions, or for us women whiplashes, because we have smaller, thinner, less muscular necks. So our brain kind of takes a good beating with a whiplash in a way that a man's neck doesn't necessarily do. And so um, those are all ways in which you can kind of have post-concussion issues, even if it you didn't lose consciousness or it was no major thing, or you just went to the doctor, they're like, mm, shine a light, shine a light in your eyes. And they're like, yeah, you're fine. Well, that's not necessarily true. And if you have health problems, I would really think about when they came about because many times they came about from something like that. And so I just want you to kind of have that awareness because what happens is if you have any kind of concussion, and like I said, what is traditionally known as concussion doesn't cut it, whiplash, even minor, minor head hits, you're okay. That's not necessarily, that doesn't mean necessarily you're okay. The reason why is because if you get that concussion, you can basically, your, bl your blood brain barrier gets broken and is now like permeable. And so things can get in and out of your blood brain barrier. And there's been studies that show that within 72 hours of your blood brain barrier being broken, your gut barrier is broken. And so why does that matter? Okay, well, that's called leaky gut. And it is somewhat starting to get more accepted in like mainstream medical, but it's still a little bit not quite there yet. And when you have leaky gut, you can get undigested food, go through between the cells of your gut before they're fully digested and ready to be absorbed as like amino acids and nutrients and such. But your immune system sees that, let's just say a chunk of banana. And it's like, I don't know what this is. This is this is a banana. No, it doesn't know what a banana is. It only knows like the potassium and the B vitamins and the C. It does not know what that chunk of yellow junk is. Right. And so then it flags it as problematic. And now every time your immune system sees banana in your blood, because your intestinal barrier, your gut barrier is leaky. It's going to basically send out the immune cells and you're going to get inflammation. Okay, so I'm just putting this like as a little thing. If you've had a traumatic brain injury, a concussion, a whiplash, do a little exploring if that might have come within a certain amount of time of any symptoms that you have, because it is basically tied to your diet, but it's more tied to that actual injury that you sustain. Okay, if I'm going to choose a diet that is probably the least problematic for the most people, it's going to be a vegetable dense paleo diet where there's no grains or dairy uh, or soy 
or beans. Oh my heavens. So that sounds overwhelming, but if I was going to choose what I've seen like across the board be the least problematic, it's probably that. And I'm not saying you need to go jump on the paleo bandwagon. And I'm certainly not saying that I want you to do like bacon, 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 and more bacon. And like, who cares about the vegetables? Because that's not what I'm saying at all. <laughs> but if we're talking about you, you really see for yourself that there's probably some dietary inflammation sources that are keeping you in fight or flight, then that's not a bad place to start. Okay. So basically for the people that are sensitive to being in the fight or flight loop, whether you've been there for a really long time, um, you grew up there in your childhood, you have a predisposition to sliding back into fight or flight when things get stressful or different things are happening. Most likely Aside from processing trauma, if that's part of your story on how you're in fight or flight, which is a completely different topic for a completely different day, because that is a deep one. The most common places with all my patients and myself that I see people have like their weak spots on sliding back into fight or flight loop once they've escaped or also having their like tools to getting out of that fight or flight loop. The most common spaces are like proper sleep habits. That is partially a lifestyle thing that is in your choice. Just going to give you a quick tip. If you wake up from two to four in the morning, most likely it's because your sugar's dipping and you need more complex carbs like sweet potatoes or zucchini at dinner. Um, pistachios at night help improve melatonin. Okay. Those are my quick tips. Sometimes it's more complex than that, but there you go. That's what I can give for you today. Um, so sleep is a very common weak spot. It's also a very good way to get out of the fight or flight loop. Stress, that's just annoying when people are like stress less, decreased your stress. It's super simple. It really isn't. And sometimes it requires hard choices. And there's many layers of that that we will go into at a different time. But really, I mean, for me personally, stress is my biggest one. If I, if I'm not militant a little bit about making proper decisions for myself and saying yes to everybody all the time and blah, blah, blah. Well, I slide right on back. Stress is a big one. Um, food, like I said, food, if you're, if you're eating foods that are irritating your system, that's a chronic, instant, constant stressor on your system. And it doesn't have to look like a bad job or a bad spouse or teenagers or anything like that to actually be a stressor on your system. So, you know, trying to find what is happening with your food sourced inflammation is really important. Blood sugar regulation is incredibly important. Protein and or fat at all your meals and regular meals are, are extremely important for regulating your blood sugar, but so is stress management. You're never going to get a diabetic to be not diabetic if they have high stress in their life. So it's the cortisol that messes with your blood sugar there. So keep that in mind. And then of course, we talked at length about COMT, phosphatidylcholine, magnesium, and then sleep, stress, food, blood sugar, and COMT. Those are really, really, really common to be sources of putting in that fight or flight loop weak spots where you slide back in that fight or flight loop after you've ex exited. And then also kind of pretty token keys to like pay attention to if you're trying to exit your fight or flight loop. So 
in summary today, you know, yesterday we talked about the overview of the, of the autonomic nervous system, the fight or flight vicious cycle that people can get into. And um, today I just want to touch on some genetic and nutritional ways that you can slide in to getting stuck in that fight or flight loop so that you know how to slide yourself out of it. I hope this was helpful and I'm going to be back with more on the topic definitely next week. I think I have a few weeks in store for you guys because it, there's several ways you get in there and they help you find your way out and I want to help you find your way out. So thanks again for joining me and I look forward to talking to you soon. Alrighty, thanks. Bye.